0: Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Episode 22 of One Man's Opinion, the podcast. It's sweeping the nation. That's right, everybody. Catching fire. It's uh, football season's approaching. We've got Major League Baseball Happening basically what as of when you'll be listening to this podcast. I am taping this pod just before the start of the 2020 Major League Baseball season. We'll talk some baseball going forward on this podcast. We're going to talk a lot of football, obviously, today. Again, this is One Man's Opinion. I am Jeff Mans. You could find my work over at FantasyGuru.com. 2020 fantasy football draft guide. It's available now. Get there. Projections, rankings, my coaching breakdowns, which if you couldn't tell by the title you just downloaded, that's what we're talking about today. Why coaches matter, everybody. It's an important thing to understand. Trust me that if today's podcast doesn't change the way you play or at least the, the play fantasy football or the way you think about fantasy football or even the NFL – well, then I haven't done my job. So, this is a big one, a very important episode. We'll get to it here. You could find my work also in the daily fantasy variety, baseball starting. You'll get my DFS baseball stuff over at elitefantasy.com for the football season, my cash game breakdowns, the live streams, the podcast, everything over there, elitesportsbetting.com. I have never had a losing season betting on professional football the NFL that is true I had I didn't have a losing season betting on the AAF Alliance of American Football I did not have a losing season betting on the XFL so you want to get in on that as well if you go to any of those sites fantasyguru.com slash mans m-a-n-s just like the name elite fantasy.com slash mans elite slash mans any one of those three sites you go to that slash man's part and you get 20% off any subscription, t-shirt, anything you want to get over there. So uh, 20% offer good only to our podcast subscribers, everybody. So check that out. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore man's M A N S D Jeff man's on Facebook, Instagram snapchat and twitter go there and uh, be a part of the community i uh, just like this podcast it is uncensored all my social media is uncensored the only time you're going to hear me censored is on SiriusXM's xm's fantasy sports radio 4 to 6 p.m eastern time every week day so check that show out there as well a lot to get to today yes we're going to talk about why coaches matter we will talk. Uh, I'm not going to get into much baseball on today's show. I'm going to have Ray Flowers join me here. He works with me over at Fantasy Guru and EliteFantasy.com. He's our baseball guy. He is. Uh, we, he and I will talk about Opening Day and the start of the Major League Baseball season. We'll get all that to you guys um, this week. As a matter of fact, this is the week of the 20th of July. Everybody, so you're aware. But in the meantime, we're going to talk a lot of football, a lot of NFL. There's news. There's notes. I got to get into this coaching. I have spent the last three months of my life while all you guys are debating whether or not to wear a mask. You're pissing and moaning and bitching and complaining about that. While you guys have been doing that, I've been in the lab. I have been writing these coaching breakdowns that I do every single year, have done it every year for the last 12 years. Uh, you will not get them anywhere else. They don't exist. This is all my research. Okay. The only guy who has any help in it is Mike Horn. He put together the charts for me in, uh, in each one of the coaching breakdowns, head coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, offensive line coaches, assistant coaches, front office personnel, um, analytics Operators and analysts within each organization, volume charts, personnel groupings, fantasy points, uh, pace of play charts, every single thing you could possibly need to tie you to a certain coach or coaching staff I have in these coaching breakdowns, the only place to get them is fantasyguru.com. And, um, a lot of film study has to go into these things as well. This isn't just, I'm not the coaching breakdowns are not data. I'm not just throwing numbers at you. Cause I think that's bullshit. I do. It is bullshit. That's what fake people, fake analysts do. They program. They pull data from some other source. It's never their own ever. They pull data they suck it from other sources. They put it into onto their site or into their article or podcast or whatever the fuck you want to say. And that's and then they declare that that, hey, I have a coaching breakdown. No. No. Meanwhile, they don't tell you anything about how does this quarterback do against cover two versus cover three defenses? How does. Who fits this offensive system best, and why? Who doesn't fit in this offense and why? You know which matchups are best that are on the schedule for this season, right? So there I mean all that is very, very important, and it's all in our coaching breakdown. So I'll talk about that on the show here today. If you have any follow-up questions, don't ever, ever be afraid to reach out man's on Twitter or any of my other social media outlets there as well and uh by the way always in the chat room at fantasyguru.com this time of year as well let's start out with some news and notes it's been a little while episode 21 a little over a week old at this point it's a busy time of year we have 50 fantasy football strategy podcasts over there at fantasyguru.com as well so i've been recording a lot of those in the interim so yes you guys feel neglected i'm sorry uh, very sorry for that but Uh, We will try to pump uh, more one man's opinions out with more regularity, a lot of topics. If there are topics you guys want me to hit, it's subject matter. Remember, this is not censored. This is whatever we want it to be. This is the one place I can go and talk about literally anything you guys want me to talk about. And uh, my life, this industry, the companies, and all this shit is wide open. It's on the table. I'm not shying away from any difficult conversations ever, quite frankly. So with that, let's get into the news of the week and let's start out with the most difficult topic and one I'm sure is on your all of your minds in one way, shape, or form. And that is will there be an NFL season? Last weekend, over the weekend, the NFL Players Association got a bunch of its star players out on social media and they started This whole wave of we want to play, but we also want to be safe. And we haven't been – the Players Association has not been informed of such things, and the Players Association has not been agreeable to certain things. I'm going to read for you what J.J. Watt posted because J.J. Watt – and by the way, um, he was one that posted like a a bullet point thing. Russell Wilson, um, a lot of other – prime NFL players posted these things as well that they want to play, but they want to be safe. Russell Wilson's wife, Sierra's pregnant as we speak and is going to have a baby. We talked about Dominic Smith, the left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that came out a week or two ago. Uh, and he's not threatening not to play saying he's not sure if he's going to play either. And a bunch of players like him. So what JJ Watt wrote, and L. Oh, Richard Sherman came out and said it as well. He said, first point, we want to play, period. We want to play. Second, we want to be as safe as possible. All right, third bullet point, the NFL can mandate that players show up to training camp regardless if any agreement has been reached between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. Fourth bullet point, we have not been granted the full and proper training camp acclimation period necessary as recommended by the medical and training staffs. Fifth bullet point, we still do not know if there will be daily testing, every other day testing, et cetera. Uh sixth bullet point. We still do not know if there will be preseason games or not. Seventh bullet point. We still do not know how a positive COVID test will be handled in regards to others in close contact and the huddle directly engaged with, etc. Seventh bullet point. I lost track of this point. A strong and fair opt out clause for those at higher risk or those of family members at higher risk has still not been agreed upon. The Ninth bullet point if players do not show up on time, they can be fined or considered in breach of contract, even if health and safety protocols have not been agreed upon or IDER, that's the Infectious Disease Emergency Response Plans, have been approved. Tenth bullet point again, we want to play. All right. And that was, he sent that out three, four days ago. Uh, actually, two days ago. He said that out two days ago. In that time, the NFL has already said there will be no preseason games. Gone. It's done. Uh, they have already handled what the opt-out clause is, that any player could opt out and not void their contract for fear of higher risk. They've already solved that issue. Um, they have not solved the issue of what happens if they do not show up on time or or hold out or what have you. Um uh, they have solved the uh, daily testing policy. There will be daily testing in the National Football League if you have, if the overall percentage is under five percent. If testing positive, if it's under five percent, there will go to every other day. If the number is over five percent, they will have every day testing in the national football league so literally two days ago the nfl's already pounded out two different or uh, i'm sorry four of the 10 solutions or two of them are we want to play they've already grinded out solutions and that's what you've got to love about the national football league they have plans in place they know what they're doing they've been preparing themselves and there's always going to be issues. And there's going to be this, this COVID-19 shit is not going away. It's a part of all of our lives. Every single one of us is going to have to deal with it on almost a daily basis in whatever form that is. It could be with our work, with our homes, our family life, our personal life, our uh, private life, whatever. We're always, we're going to be dealing with this for a while. And NFL is going to be dealing with it for a while. But the fact of the matter is, folks, for anybody concerned that there's not going to be a football season, you're wrong. I don't know what else to tell you. Baseball starts in a day. Uh, One day from now, we'll have Major League Baseball regular season being played. We have NASCAR. It's been going on for over a month. Fans are in the stands at NASCAR events now already, which is crazy, I think. It's aggressive, but it, it is what it is. PGA tour has been on for over a month. We've had Korean baseball for four months going on. We have the NBA set to return in less than a, or about a week. We've had three different soccer leagues, La Liga, Bundesliga, and now the English premier league all go off with several degrees of hitches. They've been, there's been positive testing and there's been regular testing and everything else. But a sport like soccer, I think, is very similar to that of football without the tackling necessarily. But it's running all over, players on top of each other, the whole thing. And we've seen a couple positive tests, and they've, they have do. Quarantined, test, retested, got everybody situated. The UFC – We've seen Jacksonville and Las Vegas holding multiple events at each venue. Now Fight Island in Abu Dhabi has had, what, three fight cards as of this recording as well. So that's been going on. Sports are back, ladies and gentlemen. So we it's just a matter of how we deal with it. And NFL is in that process as well. If you're a fan, don't worry whatsoever. Or, I mean, worry about the players, worry about the game, sure, but you're going to have football this fall. It's it's an absolute guarantee. If you're a fantasy football player, you're going to play. You better get on your shit. You better not You better not be sitting around fucking off thinking you're going to, oh, yeah, there's not going to be a season because you're going to get your ass kicked. You, that's what's going to happen. If you're not up on everything that's going on, there are guys like me and a ton of us over at fantasyguru.com that not just our workers, our subs, I mean, we, we've had more subs already sign up than have signed up by this time any previous season. The demand for it is large. So you think you're going to wait, and now oh, maybe that won't happen, you won't have to put in work, or you're wrong. And when that invite comes, you're probably best off ignoring it because you're going to get your clock cleaned, I have a feeling. That's what I have. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. So be careful with that or get on it now. You've still got plenty of time, but as of this recording at least. But don't just sit there and wait till September and see maybe they will, maybe they will They're playing. Football's back. It's happening. Deal with it no matter what. That's the bottom fucking line. Period. No preseason games, though. That will be interesting. That changes a lot of things. I think rookies are going to be – further behind than we ever thought they would be. Like, again, we've talked about this in the past, but running backs aren't nearly as behind the eight ball as rookie quarterbacks, tight ends, wide receivers in that order. All right, those are the positions that I think have the most to lose. I think that rookies, if you want to talk about all positions, rookie quarterbacks have the most difficult time. Rookie cornerbacks have the second hardest time acclimating. It's already tough to be a corner in the NFL, let alone you're not learning these routes and teams and practices and all that stuff. You're in a lot of trouble there. I think that um, safeties are right behind them. I think tight ends are right behind them as far as difficulty is concerned, like wide receivers are right there, right behind the tight end position, as far as difficulty. Right? I think the easiest position are running back, edge rushers, You you just pin your ears back and go. I think those are the two easiest. I think interior offensive linemen, interior defensive linemen, and then offensive tackles, as far as the easiest time and easiest, least amount of preparation it takes to get acclimated. So take that into account. When you're dealing with rookies and drafting rookies and investing in rookies in twenty twenty fantasy football leagues. Uh, other news. So that that's the any comments you guys have at Jeff underscore man's again. I tell you all the time, but that's what's going on there. Um, let's get to some other news, real news around the NFL. Uh interesting thing happened the other day, Antonio Brown who I've been pretty bullish on. I drafted him in my Scott Fishbowl 10 league this past uh, couple weeks back. Pretty bullish on him playing in 2020 after a suspension. He announced via Twitter that he's done all he can in the NFL, basically that he's retiring. This, he does not have an agent currently. He, we know what a loose cannon... I don't know who's a bigger loose cannon on Twitter, by the way, Antonio Brown or Kanye West these days. You guys see Kanye, what? You see Yeezy? See, this guy's off his fucking mind. Um, we've all been there, Yeezy. Don't worry about it. We've all been there. We've all lost our mind on Twitter at one point or another. But Antonio Brown came out, so that, that obviously hurts. My latest rankings over at Fantasy Guru, I had to lower them. I'm still in. I will say I'm still in simply because when you get – now after him announcing this – All right, And Seattle, a week ago, Seattle kind of came out and said, all right, we're probably not going to sign him. They're sort of focused on getting Josh Gordon reinstated, which I think is a mistake. I think Antonio Brown is a much better risk than Josh Gordon. Uh, It's crazy that people think the opposite, but whatever. Um, Antonio Brown is a great wide receiver. He's a Hall of Fame-type wide receiver. He is still a a relatively young man at 31. He, He still has a lot to offer. And he just needs to control his emotions. He did that for six months. He's been pretty good for six months. Now he kind of, you know, early retirement announcement, all that shit, kind of losing it, but not, not like calling the police around and screaming words at them and everything out. He's not gotten that bad. The suspension will only be two to four games for Antonio Brown too. So if you get Antonio Brown, whoever you're drafting, I drafted him in the 12th round of a 22 round draft in my Scott Fishbowl league. And I was totally excited and happy about it. However, if you, with him announcing this now, I think his draft value drops. I I think a lot of people now will stay away. But what I ask you is who would you rather have? Like at this point, if you get to the round 13, 14, 15, in your, let's call it a, a redraft league, meaning you draft new every year, who else is on your radar at that point, right? Is it Chris Conley, Corey Davis, like KJ Hamler? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, who else is, who's, who's interesting to you there? And what are, what are those, where are the potential breakouts at that stage too? They're just not there. Whereas Antonio Brown, you know he's he could become an absolute beast if he were to sign, let's say, with the Seahawks, who it uh, you know, he was looking like he may have drawn interest from. But even if he doesn't, the Ravens have been rumored, the Patriots with Cam Newton. I mean, there's a lot of different landing spots for Antonio Brown if he decides to play football now. I totally understand. That seems like a pretty big if at this point, but it's still well worth what you're investing and what it costs you. If you were drafting, if you had to draft him, let's say in the eighth round or something, then it's a whole different game. At that point, no, you can get, you know, somebody more likely to play Emmanuel Sanders or Darius Slayton or Jamison Crowder or Sammy Watkins. You know, that's fine, fine. Draft them ahead of it. But if you're, you know, you get down to drafting the Chris Conleys of the world or the uh um I Van Jefferson, you know, uh, what why not? Take the chance on Antonio Brown, at the very least, you have an empty roster spot and go pick up the first guy who's available that breaks out. That's the way I would treat that. So um That's my thoughts on Antonio Brown. Still in on him, but only, you know, last pick in the draft, second to last pick in the draft. Go ahead, take the shot and see what happens. The L.A. Rams, Sean McVay came out just today, as a matter of fact, and has announced, well, we're going to be running back by committee. You know, we have a four-headed monster here, and we're really excited about this, yada, yada, yada. Oh, coach speak in the preseason. How much have we missed this, folks? We've missed this uh, for a full year, isn't it? It's, um, it, it's kind of wild because remember Daryl Henderson was their third-round pick from a, a year ago. And Daryl Henderson had ankle surgery this offseason. So uh, he should be fine, good to go by start of, of training camp and all that. But they spent a second-round pick on Cam Akers. You know, Malcolm Brown started out last year being the goal line back for Todd Gurley and mixing that. He kind of played ahead of Henderson for most of the first two-thirds of the season before Henderson overtook him late. But why do you draft Cam Akers in the second round if you're going to just mix them and match them? That's how it's going to start off. And, again, this no preseason. That's going to hurt situations like this. It's going to hurt the, the, the committees and the backfields because it won't play out Early, it won't play out until earlier into the season, week two, three, four, which sucks that we're gonna have to put up with it. But I'm buying. I'll buy Cam Akers. Like I'm, I'm all about Cam Akers. He's gonna win that job. I'm not really that worried about Darrell Henderson. I'm definitely not worried about Malcolm Brown. No circumstances am I worried about either one of them as we sit here and, and look around. Cam Akers has an ADP of 50 overall in 12 team leagues again we're talking about fifth round at that point start of the fifth round yeah i'm i'm good to go there i like that pick i have no problem with uh, cam Akers in the fifth round i think he, he'll be the starter it's going to take a little bit longer possibly but that's okay don't don't have an issue with that at all i mean that and that's kind of the vibe isn't it like sean McVay can say what he wants but daryl henderson's yeah, ADP is way freaking down there uh, at 144. So you're talking about the end of the 12th round for Daryl Henderson. Why would, <laughs> why the tremendous difference there? Well, popular belief, we all know it's Cam Akers' job. Uh, so I would, I would wait, I would draft Henderson. If you can get Acres in the fifth round and then Henderson in the 12th to make sure that you locked up the Rams backfield, I'd do that. I'd do that 100%. Why not? Fuck it. No, you're not hurting any son. You're not hurting your team. Well, just in case, you know, rookies, we do have to worry, even though running back is the position that is most ready for the NFL once they get in the league without having to go through a training camp, without having to go through classrooms and OTAs and all that stuff. So I mean, if you can get those, both those guys at cost, You're talking about a likely running back one, whoever wins that job. Remember, 54 touchdowns in the last three years scored by just by Todd Gurley, not even the entire backfield of the Rams. You're talking about almost 60, 58 touchdowns by the backfield in the last three years of the L.A. Rams. Yeah, Sean McVay is a touchdown monster. And why does that matter? Well, coaching matters, and we're going to talk about that. Today on the show. So uh, Rams backfield by committee, don't buy into it. Raheem Mostert, now he's decided. He shopped himself. the His agent has shopped himself around. They've been around. Now he's coming back and talking, opening a dialogue with the 49ers. Welcome back, Raheem. You realize at 28 years old, you have very little leverage because you're a system running back. He'll be fine. I think he'll get a little tiny extra money from the 49ers. He's only looking for like $2 million more for this season. He, it's not that, not going to hurt very much. They have the cap room. They could afford it. So I am not worried about Raheem Mostert at all. He'll be the lead dog in San Francisco. Yes, it'll be a committee. Tevin Coleman is there. They've, they've had history with Kyle Shanahan in the past. So Coleman will be around, no doubt about that. But if you were trying to pick up Coleman on the cheap, thinking he'd be the alpha to either Mostert's beta or possibly Jarek McKinnon being the the other guy or Jeffrey Wilson. That's not going to happen. Mostert's going to play. He's going to be the 1A in San Francisco. That deal's done, don't you? Don't worry about it, my pretties. That's the way it all will go there. All right, let's get into it here. Um, Today, why coaches matter. Why NFL coaches matter. And it's important. It's a real important element to understand. And let me get into something I've gotten into in the past. I don't think I've done it on this podcast yet, but my serious XM listeners all know it. You've heard the same refrain. I'm going to blast it into your face again. Yes, yes, yes it's going to happen one more time. Uh, and it won't be the last time that I say this stuff. The bottom line is this. Think about growing up, all of you, your childhood. I, I understand majority of my podcast audience is male. I know you're not all male. Some females reach out from time to time. We appreciate everybody who listens to this show. By the way, tell a friend, if you can, really would appreciate you guys uh, helping grow this thing and you know, really get it. I would love nothing more than to talk to all of you uncensored, unchained, unhinged all of the time. I would love to do that, but obviously we need a a bigger audience for that. And the podcast is growing. I cannot thank you guys enough. But if you want want more of it, more episodes, more um, unfilteredness, whatever, if you want more of this podcast, go tell a friend, tell a relative, tell somebody whether in the sports, fantasy sports, they just want to hear me yell about some bullshit, whatever I'm doing. I would greatly appreciate that very, very much everybody. So uh, appreciate if you can go do that at all. If not, fuck you, Jeff. It's not my job. Hey, totally understood. Gotcha. (laughs) I know it's not your job. That's my job, but I'm just, just let, you know, here it is. Growing up, how many of you, it's a show of hands. And if you're in a car listening to this, please keep your hands on the wheel. Do not relieve remove your hands from the wheel. Show of hands. How many of you played Little League growing up? T-ball, Pony League, Little League, whatever it is, from T-ball all the way up, baseball as a kid. How many? Yeah, 95% of you just raised your hands. Almost every hand is in the air. 95% of you. Now I'm going to ask another question. How many of you played Pop Warner football growing up? And look around the room. About 25% of you. And this is a podcast that is pretty heavy football. My audience is pretty heavily football. Now, a lot of you baseball guys are here still. I appreciate you guys hanging out, by the way. I like baseball. Baseball and I have a very rocky relationship, though, lately, because I I feel like they haven't been there for me. There's been a lot ever since the 94 strike. It's just... Not been the same for me i lo- I love the game of baseball, but either way, here's the thing. okay, what did I do? Did I do that? Did I ask you this question to shame you? Absolutely not. Here's my point. And then I'll go, how many of you played Pop Warner football? How many of you played high school football? Even fewer, probably ten to fifteen percent. And this is the football show. So a lot of football's the biggest sport in the in North America. I was gonna say the world. I did not. I know soccer is, and I know some of you who football is soccer. So play, shut the fuck up, fuck people, don't you fucking bullshit, fucking motherfuckers. Football is. uh, I know. Talk like we talk. We all know soccer is soccer, football is football. All right. I understand. We have overseas listeners. You guys are different. You call whatever you want to call football soccer football. It's fine. You deserve it. That's what you call it. It's perfectly. You're right. But for the United States, I'm right, okay? God, so many fights about non- nonsense. Total, no, 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 we're not doing that. Nah, we're not doing that shit. Anyway, here's the point. A lot of the football fan, the NFL fan base, is, are people that didn't play the game growing up. And there's, while well, there's nothing wrong with it, there is a significant lack of understanding on how the game is played and what the game's about fantasy football is a wonderful activity it's a fun game it's competitive it's challenging it's why we all play it and why we all love it 70 million people 80 million people uh, worldwide play fantasy football every single year it's uh it's a lot of it's great and we like it but at the same time and this, this is a major problem within the industry, my industry where I work, I work in fantasy sports. I write for fantasy guru, elite fantasy, elite sports betting.com. I broadcast for SiriusXM. I've done uh, terrestrial radio and television. I have a movie called live in the fantasy, uh, a documentary film that I, you know, from years ago. I mean, I, I've done everything there is to do in this space. And I know my competition i know my fellow brethren in in the industry and the one thing i could say and i don't mean any disrespect by it because it's just for one it's true a lot of people don't understand how football is played they don't understand the the nuances of the game and let me explain to you a little bit about that and what i mean by that football is unlike most sports in baseball you you have a turn Everybody gets a turn. Oh, I'm hitting third. I'm hitting first. I'm hitting fourth. I'm hitting ninth. I'm hitting eighth. If you're in Little League, I'm batting 13th because everybody gets to hit, right? Everybody gets a turn. In a Major League Baseball game, everybody, one through nine, they have a turn in the lineup. Take your turn. You're at bat. Everybody plays a position. Everybody's part of it. Their ball could be hit anywhere at any time. All right? It's all equal. Basketball, same thing. Ten people on the court at once, five on each team. Pass it around. This guy will get a little bit more, than that guy maybe. And sometimes this guy will get it more, and this guy's got a hot hand. And everybody touches the ball. Everything goes around. It's it's fluid and it's quick and action-packed in basketball. Same with hockey. Baseball, we have a set order. Football isn't like those isn't like those sports. Football, there's a thing called a playbook. The playbook is what you do. You can't do all the other things. And that's where analysis gets themselves in trouble. We all get in trouble when we say, that guy's fast. That guy's quick. Lateral quickness, great size, great hands. All of that is true. Even Well, you know, none of our analysis is always 100%, obviously. Right? Not, we're not 100%. Fuck, who was I on last year? Who, who was one of my misses last year? I'm going to do a whole show I'm going to do a whole show about my misses from last year hits and misses uh oh dante Moncrief, that was a big one last year oh shit that sucked of course burger going down but yeah that sucked so not not right not I'm never going to be 100% but it doesn't matter if a guy is fast if he is, if he can catch if he's tall or in you could just say the word good. If he's good or a great player, it doesn't matter unless the playbook says he gets the football because without the football, nothing matters. Okay. And for fantasy football, nothing matters unless he has got that football in his arm. Quarterback throws it receiver running back tight end. That's what really matters. Okay. And if, a player, Derrick Henry, had a 6.1 yards rushing to the left side in 2019. If, And that's because they had Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold on the left side of the offensive line. Okay. If that play where if running left works to 6.1 yards a carry, but the playbook says you're running right or the coach calls run right, guess what? doesn't fucking matter at you're good left. You're running right, period. Doesn't fucking matter, okay? That's unlike any other sport. If a guy's got a great jump shot, he's going to have a great jump shot wherever. Sure, there's a spot on the court. He's better and all that. If a guy, everyone's going to get a turn at bat in other sports. Football doesn't. If the playbook has progressions for the quarterback, I played the quarterback position. I, this is another thing that, I know people don't even understand even those who played football. I don't know how many times over the years receivers of mine wanted the football and were pissed that I didn't give it to them and I'd said, "Hey asshole. You're third you're third on my radar here, man. And nobody's blocking for me up there. I'm getting my ass kicked here. I had to throw the, I had to get the football. Off. I can't. You knew the play that was called. You knew you were third in line. You're not getting the ball with the pass rush coming at me." The progressions are important. Where's the first read? Quarterbacks just can't, hey, throw it to the guy who's open like you're on the playground. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. to not work like that. Throw it to the guy who's open. No, 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 no. You do that. And if you don't do, through your progressions, bing, boom, bang, you are off the field. The coach pulls you from the game. That's the way this goes. It's the way it all happens. The playbook means everything. The system The style of offense and defense is crucial, crucial. So that playbook, the system, means literally everything. And any kind of fantasy football analysis that doesn't include that is simply missing the foundation. It's like building a house on top of a cloud or on top of a lake. It's going to move and there's no foundation. It's just going to implode upon itself any analysis you do everything has to be built from the base that you know the system you know what the goals of the offenses are or defenses we'll get into why the defenses matter okay when we get in we talk about matchups and things like that but if you don't understand the principles of the offense this offense is going to run and again it starts out with and again Maybe we're getting more complicated than some of you want to take on, but you don't have to you don't have to grasp everything I'm about to say with oh zone blocking versus power blocking versus overload blocking versus uh cover three versus cover two versus you know you don't you don't need to know all that. Okay. You don't need to know the specifics, but you do need to understand. The, the food chain, if you will, the pyramid. You need to understand the way it works. And it all starts out with that coach. The head coach is in charge. He hires his assistants. Those assistants form this thing. They call it a system or a scheme on both sides of the ball. Here's an identity. Here's what we're going to be about on offense. And from there, they, they, they for whatever reason, they either build a West Coast offense Earhart Perkins offense, Air Corel offense, uh, spread offense. Nowadays, you got variations of the spread, which they call air raid or pistol offenses. Um, Arizona, Miami are going to be running those a lot this year. That's basically the foundations. Those are the sort of boxes that every NFL system falls into. Now, it's 2020. It, you don't only have four or five systems there's all types of variations and nuances but you'll be you'd be surprised at how similar most NFL offenses are that run the same type of scheme and then within that they decide we're going to be our playbook here here's what our plays are going to be about first they they'll talk about their running plays okay here's what we're going to do up front we're going to have zone blocking if you're talking zone blocking Blockers, offensive alignment are essentially blocking parallel to the line of scrimmage, meaning they're kind of blocking horizontal. All right? There's an angle, there's slight angles involved. but They're blocking side to side. Show me side to side. Show me pick defense. Hey, hey, hey. By the way, that's the way you're going to learn fantasy football with me if you're new to this. I am the Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi of fantasy sports. You won't even know you're learning until I explain it. Then you'll realize, holy shit, I just learned something. And that's, that's what we want. That's what we're going for. And eventually I'll, I'll uh, tell you, sand the floor, paint the fence, show me wax on, wax off. Well, that's, the, that's, a, that's a whole different podcast. That's a special paywall. That's my OnlyFans account. I'm just kidding. That's the. Can you imagine? Oh, boy. That'd be funny. Anyway, the now for whatever reason, I'm just picturing myself dancing, like for like change in a New York city subway station booth. (laughs) Ridiculous. The, um, where was I? All right. So you're going to block side to side in a power blocking. You, you block uh, front, front and back, essentially, block forward, obviously, like that. And then there's a slight variation of zone, which is, I call it cut blocking. That is an illegal word, so nobody in the NFL uses that, chop block, even though that's exactly what it is, and that's what Kyle Shanahan uses in San Francisco, Gary Kubiak in Minnesota, and uh, now Cleveland, and Stefanski and crew are going to do that in Cleveland. So a couple of spots that actually are really pushing the envelope. In terms of run blocking, those systems actually work very well. And it's amazing that more teams don't utilize that, but there's not a lot of coaches that can teach it for whatever reason. That's why those coaches are so highly coveted, uh, those offensive line coaches, and why they matter. The Rick Dennisons of the world, where he goes running back, fantasy points follow. It's simple. Dalvin Cook. It just came out of nowhere. Oh, he just got good in his third year. No. He didn't just get good. He got Gary Kubiak and Rick Dennison that came in. Okay, but anyway, the running game. So that's what they start out. We're going to be zone blocking. We're going to do, uh, uh, we're going to do a bunch of zone runs. We're going to do um, one-cut runs. We'll have uh, whatever it is, a lead or a sweep, or maybe we run traps and counters. What, that's going to be the identity. That's what we're going to be about running the football. Okay, cool. Now our passing offense is going to be a will will be a let's say West Coast, and we'll throw a lot of short passes. We're gonna we don't have great protection along the offensive line. We don't think so. We're gonna do a three step drop, quick get the football out to its a primary read or two, make it real simple for the quarterback, and move the chains that way, dink and dunk, if you will. We'll hit them with some big plays. We'll set up big plays downfield later whatever it is right they come up with their ideology with their their game plan and then they form the playbook and yeah you can go and look at a game of Madden and find a bunch of plays that are actual NFL plays but every team has a variation of it and how they run it and that's we call that play design okay and if you're a Madden player you'll understand there's always you know that handful of plays that are basically unstoppable if you're playing against your buddies or opponents or what have you. And realistically go look at those plays in the game of Madden, the ones that are unstoppable. it's never like a halfback lead or a, I don't know, whatever quick outs or some basic play. It's always one of those plays that has four wide or three wide receivers, slot an outside guy, and they're running they're running sort of go patterns and then the slot guy breaks off, which kind of takes the safety away. And then that outside guy turns into a post and the quarterback drops it in, you know, to drop it in over the safety and it goes for a big play that's play design. And that's what, you know, it's, Again, you could learn that shit by playing a video game or Madden or whatever or pl- have played the game or watch a lot of football and understand how to break down film, which is one of my big passions. So, you know, those that's play design. All of this, all of it is what goes in to the numbers we generate from a fantasy standpoint. All of it. All right starts out with the coaches staff starts out with identifying the offense it gets into our personnel groupings who's going to be on the field are they going to play 11 personnel that means one running back one tight end three wide receivers are they going to play 12 personnel which is one running back two tight ends and two wide receivers so on and so forth what are their groupings going to be who is going to be in those groupings that's why at Fantasy Guru, we had the slot wide receiver chart and things like that. So you'll know, all right, there's one running back, there's three wide receivers. Who's playing inside? The guy who's playing inside will often have the a great matchup because he's playing the weaker cornerback. Because most teams put their better corners on the outsides, all right? And then they lead, you know, third guy in the depth chart plays inside. Now, sometimes defenses change, and that – That's what we adapt to when we start talking in terms of matchups. But again, who is on the field, those personnel groupings, huge. Because a player who's not on the field more often can't produce. He could be as efficient as hell and thus have some sort of fantasy consideration. But you don't want to build your team around a guy who comes in for – you don't want to build your – Taysom Hill. You don't want to build your team around fucking Taysom Hill who may play six snaps a game, may play one snap a game, may play zero snaps a game, may play 11. You don't know. Maybe he catches a touchdown. Maybe he throws one. Maybe he runs. We don't fucking know. You don't want that. Well, one time you caught two touchdowns in a game. So what? That's not going to win you regular. That's not going to win you games, get you to the playoffs and win a championship. Not going to happen. Don't build your team on that. So, Personnel groupings are important. Who's on the field? Then the play calling. All right? How many, if you're invested in a running back of that team, and they only run 44% of the time, 46% of the time, that's a bad thing for you. Because, again, they run the ball 44%, and your running back, you know, no running back on earth, plays 100% of snaps. Even McCaffrey gets off field a very couple times. Zeke Elliott, too. Let's say they play eighty percent of the time, which is a feature back role. It's a big role, but you know, again, it's it's yeah, you're talking about what uh, forty four snaps, and if you're playing only eighty percent of those, what are you thirty five snaps? That you're you know thirty five potential you know runs. By the way, you'll never run thirty five times a game, but I'm just saying, you know, you have thirty five potential touches out there. That's not enough. It's not enough. It's just not enough offense for you. Oh, 44% of the time. I'm sorry. That's where my, my mask got all fucked up. That's what happens sometimes. Let's say a, a standard offense will run um, 50% of the time, and then 44% of that is 22, and then you're, that running back is on for um, 80% of those, which is a high mark, which is about 16, 17. So that's where you're going. So that's, that's your pool of touches possible. 17 touches possible in that scenario. You see what I'm saying? It's all, it all trickles down. All right? So I just need you to understand the concepts of that because these decisions are being made by the coaching staff, by the play callers, by the head coach, the offense coordinators. And how well they do comes down to the coordinators, the assistant coaches, the play designers think of an NFL offense, like a movie it's the script is just about everything, but I like action movies and the action. And uh, I really like, uh, you know, star Wars and they're in outer space. Oh, fuck you. You like set direction. Fine. Well then go look at how pretty the field is fine. Whatever. But most movies, you still need dialogue. You still need something on the script. The script still explains what they're looking at. It's up to the set designers to to put it into play. But the analogy I use all the time is Jack Nicholson. I'll use it again. I'll, I'll say, uh, no, I'll use a different one because uh, Jack Nicholson, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. He won an Oscar. He won an Oscar in, what else? A Few Good Men, As Good As It Gets. I think those are his Oscar when he... So in those movies, as good as it gets, you're goddamn right, I did, right? He gets all, it's great, powerful scene. Wonderful, right? But then you put him in Mars Attacks, and it's like, what the fuck is this? It's still the same guy. And that's what our fantasy players, our running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. It's the same concept. They are the same guy, and they could perform magically and be MVPs of the league in one system. But then you take them, put them in a different system and it's they're trash. Same with an actor or actress. That's the way if you give them just a shitty script a director. That's the way it goes. And we see it all the time. Every year we see a player change teams and either exceed what they did at, you know, crush what they did in another place or fail miserably. And, again, Dante Moncrief is a great example of that. Okay, for whatever reason, it didn't work. Square peg, round hole. And I'll take the miss on that, obviously. But Damian Williams, Damian Williams is a piece of shit. Garbage. Pure garbage. And you got cut by Miami when they didn't have anybody. He goes to Kansas City when Kareem Hunt went down, and the guy won the Super Bowl. Probably should have been MVP, could have been MVP. Raheem Mostert was bounced around the entire league, was doing nothing, became a star, went to a Super Bowl in San Francisco. It happens all the time. And I started realizing this stuff back in the late 90s. I realized it when the the one that stood out to me first, I think, was... I think it was actually the Denver Broncos started. I was like, what the hell's going on here? Because, you know, I, Terrell Davis came out of nowhere. Um, for those who don't know, Terrell Davis running back of the Denver Broncos. It's weird. I have to explain this. But, um, you know, he, he was a guy that was a sixth-round pick. Uh, I think it was Georgia. I want to say it was University of Georgia, but I'm not exactly sure. Um I always forget what state or college he went to. I feel like he was Bulldog. Damn it, I'm not good looking. All right, Trell Davis. I know he's a six round pick, and he got the Denver. What do you know? Right around the same exact time, that he came to Denver in the exact same year. Alex Gibbs went there. Alex Gibbs is one of the greatest cut block offensive line coaches in the history of the National Football League. All right, and he gets to. Denver in 1995, Terrell Davis is a six-round pick in 1995. What do you know? Terrell Davis goes bananas. Rushes for 1,200 yards. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what his exact numbers were, but he was you know star in the league kind of right off the bat. And next thing you know, he's put up 1,500, 1,700, 2,000 yards uh, in a season in 1998. He's running behind this offensive line that was a cut block or zone block scheme of Alex Gibbs. Well, Terrell Davis, nobody thought anything of Terrell Davis. Every team in the league passed on him multiple times, you know, it it kept going and going and going. And next thing, but the next thing, you know, you think, all right, the logical explanation is what he is a star. Terrell Davis is a superstar. He's unbelievable. Everybody, you know, he's just great. He's a star in the league. He's a great running back, and everybody happened to miss on him. That's one way of thinking it. But then what happens, and what was it? They won a Super Bowl in, what, 98? They beat the Packers So 99? It was like 1999-ish. Could be 98-99, whatever it was. Terrell Davis goes down right after his 2,000-yard season. Orlando Gary comes back. What does Orlando Gary do? Well, he runs for 1,200 yards. Right? He runs for 1,200 yards, is an all-pro, and a stud. Orlando's freaking Gary. Whoa, Denver just really – Well, look at them. They're just really fucking good at running back. Well, okay, maybe. Maybe that's what it is. But then what happened the following year? Terrell Davis comes back, gets hurt again. Orlandis Gary gets hurt. Who now? Mike Anderson, a guy 28 years old. Former, what, Navy or or he was in the military guy. Another six-round pick from a couple, you know. He was a rookie that year in 2000, Mike Anderson. He runs for 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. What the hell is going on? And then what? Then Tatum Bell. Then Clinton Portis, Every fucking running back. Every one of them produced in Denver. By the way, as that was happening, something else happened, and this is the one that really got me. This was the one it 's the uh rams nineteen ninety eight rams okay or uh, uh, nineteen ninety nine rams i 'm sorry ninety eight rams were terrible i 'll never forget i was not a i was not in the industry. I was doing – I was in college writing some – I was writing, doing some sports writing, and I did uh, – somebody gave me an opportunity. I wrote a Wrote a piece about the NFL and, like, the worst team in the NFL. I'll never forget it. It's one of my first things I ever did, and it was the first – was. I was wrong, completely wrong on it as well because I said the worst team in the NFL is going to be the St. Louis, then St. Louis Rams. Rams suck. Dick Vermeil's old. You know, it's it, it's past his prime. Yada yada yada. All all of that kind of stuff, right? And coming up with 1998. Well, what happened in 1999 was they went out to Washington, got this offense coordinator who had been doing pretty good work, a guy uh, by the name of Mike Martz, and Mike Martz came in and refueled the Rams' offense and became the greatest show on turf now they signed a quarterback that preseason trent green gave him a lot of money they felt good about it trent green goes down the third preseason game kurt warner was stocking groceries and he played a little nfl europe a couple years before that and next thing you know he's running the greatest show on turf and the rams go off and win the super bowl and one of the greatest offenses of all time same players for the most part they just became great because of the system so this was happening all at once and at that time i was realizing like okay how is this possible isaac Bruce, Marshall fog kurt warner was nothing and now he's the greatest quarterback in the league Terrell davis orlandis gary mike anderson all this proof and stuff was hitting me in the face then by 2003 when dick Vermeil takes al saunders to kansas city and takes a fullback from Baltimore and Priest Holmes and turned him into one of the greatest fantasy producers of all time, I realized, I'm like, oh, my God, I've been doing this wrong for, at that point, 13 years. I'm like, you know what? The systems make these running backs. The systems make these quarterbacks. The systems are what's doing it. Good coaching, good playbooks, good personnel recognition, good play design. That's what produces for fantasy. And you, the the players are just play, They're just pawns. They're pieces on our chessboard. We take too much. We, we too many players. Fantasy players pretend like these athletes are something. You know, we're fanboys. We fanboy. We geek out. Be, oh my god, how great is uh, Lamar Jackson? Oh my god, Patrick Mahomes. Ooh. Wow, look at the uh, Keenan Allen. <laughs> they don't matter. No fans, you know, they get paid. They don't matter. Whoever's there is the one who matters. Who's ever in that spot is going to matter. That's, of course, they're guys who are faster, stronger, and play better. Of course, it's not automatic. But it's still more important to have a great system, a great scheme, good offense alignment. You have all that in place, you're going to produce. The quarterbacks, running backs, receivers are going to produce. All right? That is what is going to happen. So very important to recognize that. That's when I started realizing how all this was going down. It's those teams. And then your 49ers during that time as well. Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh was a genius, but then when George Seifert took over, he, was, he just did the same thing, and George Seifert was a genius. But then George Seifert goes to Carolina and is a piece of shit. How'd that happen? Well, he didn't use Bill Walsh's system anymore. Same guy, same coach. See, the, even the coaches can change. And that's where I get very worried, and you'll see that in my coaching breakdowns over Fantasy Guru. I get very worried when a coach changes their identity. When a guy goes from the offense side of the ball to the defense side of the ball back, oh, my God, it makes me sick. If they don't have an identity, I don't invest in them. Plain and simple. I just don't do it. The coaching – coaches are to – the purpose is match a player's skills or attributes with a system that suits them. When you get a player, great arm quarterback, accurate quarterback, whatever skill, individual skill they have, that got them on the radar of the NFL anyway, whether it's drafted in the first round or undrafted free agent that got an invite to camp. There's a reason every single one of them are there. And analysis that says, this guy's fast, that doesn't matter. Everybody's fast. The fattest, most grotesque human being on any NFL training camp, a guy who has no chance to make a team, is fat. If you saw them run live against you, you'd be fucking bewildered mckay becton is six foot eight 370 pounds and he runs a 5 10, 40 which to you may say tub-a-goo. you see him and you're like who is the olympic sprinter running in front of me you don't realize go to training camps i cover training camp for the bears for years i used to, and then i traveled all over the midwest then i traveled all over the country two years in a row reporting back on training camp. Go watch these guys. They're purebreds. They're beyond any comprehension as far as physical ability. They're strong. They're every one of them strong, fast, big, every one of them. The worst player on a 53-man roster or worst player in a 96-man camp is, is .001% of human specimen. So all that bullshit is just garbage talk. All the worry and concern over you know, fast speed and measurables and jumping and all that shit, eh, I you look at all of it. I don't mind to look at, oh, this guy's 6'3 versus this guy's 5'10. I think there's something to that. I think there's this guy can leap 43 inches versus this guy 34 inches. There's a difference there. There are differences in – but it's so irrelevant based on what actually matters. What actually matters is, will they be on the field? If they are, will they be effective? Will they get the ball in their hand? Will they have an opportunity? And if they do, will they be given a – what is the measure of that opportunity? Having 20 touches a game is, is, is amazing. If you're in the Baltimore Ravens offense, it is a tremendous, tremendous thing because Greg Roman has built it that way. If you are in the, uh, well, Cincinnati Bengals or Jacksonville Jaguar offense, it is not the same thing. And that's not because one's in one city or a different team name or uniform. No, it's because those coaches that have put those guys together, that have implemented this system. That's what really matters. Tom Brady, go look at Tom Brady from 2001 to 2005. Mediocre at the best. At best. Then a kid named Josh McDaniels comes to town. He gets play calling duties late in 2006. Brady starts slinging it. His numbers second half 2006 are really, really good. Then he goes into 2007 and sets every fucking record you could imagine. Why? Because they played a spread offense. They spread the field out. Nobody was ready for it. System was ahead of its time. Now, Patriots are more... They'll still spread the field, but they'll run out of it all the time instead of pass. And that's why Brady's numbers recently aren't that spectacular, aren't that good. Same kind of offense, but McDaniels adapted his scheme because that's what Belichick demands. Remember Todd Gurley, Jared Goff with Jeff Fisher? These guys were garbage. Goff was called a bust after his first year. Gurley had a good four-game stretch in, what, twenty was it 2015? And then 2016 was a bust, and then 2017, he comes out and is a uh, is an absolute stud. Maybe off by a year on that, but comes out and he's an absolute stud. He's third round pick in fantasy, barely even on the radar. But the system changed. Sean McVay came to town, and he's a stud. Number one overall pick the following year. Greg Roman, Greg Roman is the same guy who led the Stanford Cardinal to all kinds of rushing, leading the country in college football and rushing yards, and Rose Bowl appearances and all this shit. Then he goes to San Francisco and he makes Colin Kaepernick. He invents Colin Kaepernick's style of offense, running and throwing. And Frank Gore's a 1,200-yard a season rusher. They get to a Super Bowl. He goes to Buffalo. They lead the league in rushing. Then he goes to Baltimore. And what do you know? What, we're surprised Lamar Jackson had a great season? Well, shouldn't be. He's already done it. Three different stops. What else do you need? Gary Kubiak's system makes Dalvin Cook break out. I think Patrick Mahomes is great. Why did, uh, why did every team well, every, every team in the national football, they get an adequate shot at Patrick Mahomes? Chicago Bears completely completely and utterly uh, passed on him. The uh, San Francisco 49ers, which, oh, by the way, they always get, because uh, they made a good deal to drop back one spot and got a first-round pick, uh, basically giving up Trubisky. The Browns, the Bears, the 49ers, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Jets, the Chargers, the Panthers, and the Bengals, all passed on Patrick Mahomes. Every one of those teams. But would Patrick Mahomes be who he is now? He wasn't that sought after at all. Would he be anything if it wasn't for Andy Reid? Andy Reid made Donovan McNabb, too. Go look at Alex Smith's numbers in 2017 in that Andy Reid offense I love Patty Mahomes but him if he goes to Cincinnati if Paul Gunther is his offense coordinator really mm-hmm. you went know, to Denver huh? Vic Fangio is head coach is he gonna be just a baller I don't think so what about Le'Veon Bell how many years did I tell you about him in Pittsburgh Everybody who replaced Le'Veon Bell put up better numbers. D'Angelo Williams, James Conner. Look at David Johnson. Look at what David Johnson did under, with Bruce Arians, and then look what he did with Cliff Kingsbury. Dak Prescott last year. Why did Dak break out? Well, Kellen Moore went from the 32nd, dead last pace of play in the National Football League to the number two fastest-paced team. So they, he had 100 more pass attempts last year. Of course, I mean, a hundred more pass attempts, over a hundred. You put 70 more completions at the very, very least. What are you talking about? Uh, Seven yards per per, uh, uh, throw, roughly 500, you know, let's call it even 500 yards on those 70 completions. (laughs) Of course, you're going to throw better for better numbers. 500 more yards in season, just based on your offense. Pretty good. That's why these systems matter. That's what they mean, folks. And, boy, I got there they're 20 pages per team. And, again, there's a lot of charts and graphs and volume reports and personnel groupings and all that. But I got write-ups on every single team, every coach. Everything you could imagine over at FantasyGuru.com. If you go to FantasyGuru.com slash mans, you get your little uh, discount, 20% off. uh, 20% off the early bird, by the way, which ends on August 1st or July 31st, however you want to look at it. So go there now and get it. Those coaching breakdowns are worth that $40 uh, minus the 20%. Uh, right off the bat. I mean, then you get rankings and projections in a full year of information. It's the biggest no brainer in the history of fantasy football, everybody. So, uh, there you go. All right. I've, you know, I've given you a lot. I think this has been a lot to digest for today. Again, these podcasts are going to be coming more frequently, as well. But we need you to tell your friends, we need you to subscribe on iTunes or tuned in or Google play or however you get your favorite podcast. We need you to go out there and rally support for it. I'd love to do these as much as humanly possible, folks. It's the greatest time I have. And we'll be getting in some guests. We'll talk some baseball in future episodes. You guys, I know I still owe you the three gun story. Uh, as well. It's a whole show. That's going to take me at least an hour. If there's any personal uh, stuff, I know it's sports are back. So I'm, I'm going more towards the sporting spectrum. But if you guys like the pop culture slash Jeff Mann's lifestyle shit that I, I've done before, hey, I'm down for anything. Just hit me up at Jeff underscore Mann's on Twitter, the Jeff Man's on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, over there as well i'll review some drafts coming up with you talk nfl futures and how you can make some money this nfl season as well drag schuster on these podcasts i got a couple other special guests i hope to be joining me in the days and weeks ahead so appreciate you guys subscribe like comment pass to a friend tell them about it um, Even if it's bad, negative, if it's something you don't like, let me know about that too, everybody. That's going to do it for episode 22. Why coaches matter, everybody. I am Jeff Mans. You may disagree. That's okay. Why? Because this was one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!